Uh, the first deal that really clued me in this was a viable opportunity was when I had purchased about 70 Nextel flip phones. And, you know, the, I would say about the phones for, you know, 20 bucks. I mean, I sold them all for 80 bucks in like a week and a half. So I was like, watch, just buy more phones. Caution, you will begin to love your nine to five with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this next episode of the Love Your 9 to 5 show. My guest today is Brian Burke. Brian is the president and CEO of SellYourMac.com, and we will hear more about that. Brian, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk to your listeners and describe how I've moved from some things I did not love as much to loving my 9 to 5. Awesome. Well, we really want to hear all about that, but... Before we even go into um, how your journey and what you're doing currently, can you give us, just for our listeners who don't know you, and for me, we only spoke for a couple of minutes, uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are personally and then kind of how you evolved professionally? Sure. I've grown up in Cincinnati, Ohio my whole life. I went to college down at Tulane in New Orleans. That's kind of where I started really doing the eBay business that's kind of got me to where I am. So it was really that, that dabbling in the job during my college years, not even knowing it would turn into something full time that I would love in the future that kind of uh, sparked that path for me. And, you know, from college, I came back home and I was trying to get a job in, in banking, investment banking and stock trading and stuff like that. And it didn't work out right away. So I went back to something that I knew, which was that eBay business. And at first I was, you know, buying and selling people's junk which is not that exciting, you know, literally cleaning out storage lockers and stuff like that. And then quickly after that, I transitioned to buying and selling cell phones. These are a little bit more exciting, but still not my true passion. So a couple of years after that, I finally started getting into what I loved, Apple products. And that is where I truly found something that would make me happy and get me out of bed every day. So, that is awesome. And that was really brief and full. So really, thank you. You really couldn't have answered the question in a more complete way. Um, look, there's something very interesting there. So you started out immediately, you went to eBay um, and you were dabbling there a little bit. And ultimately, that was the right place for you, maybe with a few minor adjustments. Well, what pushed you or pulled you into eBay to begin with? And the follow-up question. I've done eBay a long time. You know, I did it starting in high school, doing some Audi car part sales, and I was pretty familiar with the Audis back then. And I could find some arbitrage opportunities, you know, buying and selling between eBay and some of these Audi form user groups. So I just had built my acumen up there. And then in college, my friends wanted me to sell their stuff on commission for them. I said, sure, why not? If they want to you know, sell their goods and give me 35% cut, I'm all for it. I've never been one to shy away from doing some work and making some money. So that's kind of where the, the bread and butter of it got, got started. So your average high school kid knows nothing about Audi parts and is not dabbling in buying and selling stuff online. Um, so obviously you have an edge up with that. And what we see time and time again is things that people think are normal and they take for granted are really, it's really something that's unique that you can do well that other people don't realize it, but because it comes naturally to you, you didn't realize perhaps, you know, that this is something that you really excel at. So you're like, 
it seems like from your response that it's almost like, why wouldn't you do this yourself? Why are you giving me a free 35%, right. <laughs> you know, for selling your stuff? It's your stuff. I'm not paying you for it, but if you're going to give me free money, I'll take it. And obviously it's not free. Obviously it's work. And obviously, yeah, you know, you mentioned so casually about finding the forums. It's work finding where the buyers are online and actually selling to them and servicing the sales, so to speak. And making sure that it, no, you, know, it you love it it doesn't seem like work though so that's the thing so i had i had a passion for audi cars at the time you know my first car was a 1989 uh audi quattro which is like the a8 back then so you know i learned a lot about them and i, I like finding ways to to make money to be able to you know do fun projects on my own and stuff like that so i'm always looking for those you know kind of arbitrage sales opportunities in life so that that's why I thought it was easy because I saw it as a, a way to help you know support myself. Got it. So, but it seems like it's a combination of two things. It's the it's your passion for the Audi combined with your ability or skill or maybe passion of using the internet to to connect products with with buyers and sellers, I guess, because sure. they buy stuff from places. Now you said you came back and you were first trying to find a job in the finance world. Why, why would yeah. you do I, mean, I got a degree in finance and management, so I figured put my degree to work. And I had been trading stocks ever since my bar mitzvah at my ripe young age of 13. And I had done really well trading, trading stocks. So I figured really? that was a good path to go into. You know, I kind of always admired Jim Cramer and his work ethic and his ability to be an amazing trader. You know, people don't realize to be an awesome trader, you only need to win about 55% of the time. So the 45% you're losing, but you just lose less per trade than your wins. So people have this idea in their head that you, you know, always have to win at something and in your stock trader, you don't win basically a little more than half and you know, you're doing pretty well for yourself. So, okay. So you have, you, again, so you have quite an early start over here, but is it you're, you're doing stocks, you're taking <laughs> your permits for money and you're investing it and yeah. on the stock market, you're trading, you're doing well you go to college for that, you come back and you want to get a job in that, which is the normal path, and then something doesn't click. Well, what happened there? It was a little bit tough getting a, a job right then. It was uh, Hurricane Katrina actually that hit my school right before my senior year. So we all got displaced, and I went up to Boston University, kind of up where you are, yep. uh, for a semester. And I, the only privilege I didn't have as a full-time student was meeting the recruiters on campus. And I lobbied the president of the, uh, the university and he still wouldn't let me do it. Um, and then we all went back to school at Tulane in New Orleans for the second semester, the end of our senior year. And no recruiter came down to visit it because it was a kind of a scary time. It was under technically military control in the city and there was you know, armed forces in every major corner and stuff like that. Wow. So no one came down to interview. So I felt like those opportunities weren't really in front of me. And I, you know, was applying online and stuff like that. But as you know, without any major connection in that field, applying online is, is really tough to do. And I had some great interviews up there in the summer after school and ultimately just didn't get the job. So I wasn't one to wait around and find the job. I didn't want to not work for six months or something like that. And when I started uh, buying, selling stuff, you know, at home, I had just some immediate big wins. So I was like, well, why would I work anywhere else? I should work for myself. So, 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 so tell us about that. Uh, I get the first deal that really clued me in. This was a viable opportunity. 
was when I had purchased about 70 Nextel flip phones, these old school, you know, walkie talkie flip phones. Bleep, bleep. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. you know, the, I would say about the phones for, you know, 20 bucks. I mean, I sold them all for 80 bucks in like a week and a half. Wow. So I was like, watch, just buy more phones. So how did you market those? You just put them on eBay and they put them sell? on eBay. eBay kind of sells itself. I mean, it has to be priced right. Obviously you can't, you know, overprice the market, but if you go with market pricing, there's, you know, half a billion eyeballs on eBay. So it's a great marketplace to sell used equipment. Uh-huh. If so, but I, so I guess the, the bigger trick is how to get them for $20 if they were really worth 80. It's kind of the same way I was able to get my friend stuff in college. You know, people don't want to take the time and the hassle to sell it themselves. So it's a service and there, you know, we are, there is a profit to be made. And I would take a phone. I'd have to, you know, do all the due diligence and the work to wipe it and reload it. Then I would buy, you know, car chargers and home chargers and cases. So I would have a nice little bundle together. I'd give everyone a warranty. So it's kind of that, that full service that I, you know, gave it new life and also, you know, gave it a warranty and some accessories. Mm -hmm. How do you honor that warranty? Anyone who has a problem, I just give them their money back. You know, now on eBay, it's very streamlined process for returns. You basically click a couple buttons and you start the return process and we'll just take it back and give you your money back. You know, no questions asked. Really? We're great right. to our customers. We're hundred percent positive and you're not going to wow. keep that rating if you're uh, hassling your customers about returns. Wow. Wow. So, so you have to have that. It's a different mindset. You know, sometimes when you're dealing with small items or used items, first of all, you're dealing with a different clientele. Right? When you go into, if you work at an Apple store, let's say, and you're selling Macs to yeah. spoiled kids coming to college who are going to use it for a year and then upgrade, they, they're going to be less concerned about the return policy then if you're buying someone who's really scraping dollar to dollar looking for a good deal on eBay, comparing sure. 50 products that are all the exact same thing, same shipping item, and they're, they're going to compare you based on your, you know, maybe on your, you know, on your rating or whatever it is, the small, small differences. So uh, do you get frequent returns? Right now we see a single digit return rate, which is um, right now we're about half of the industry average for electronics. Well, and those and that and that number is looking at brand new items. There is no good data that I've seen around you know used returns from any of these large companies. Uh, so I'm I'm really proud of that. I mean, if we're half the return rate of new product and we're selling used product, I mean, we're doing a heck of a great job describing these things in detail. And I, like you mentioned, a lot of it's the rating. I mean, our being a hundred hundred percent across the board, it, it's a lot of buyer confidence. So, as an online purchaser, as probably every a uh, member of this country or maybe the world might be. Um, we don't, we know that let's say I'm buying a Mac from you. I know that I, I'm not a Mac professional and I, I'm, I don't know all the ins and outs and I don't care to learn the ins and outs. I just, my goal is to have a Mac on my desk now that works, get the best price for it and never have to That's think Apple's about motto. it. It just works. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is your motto? That's Apple's motto. Oh, Apple's motto. Yeah. It just works. Um, so that's exactly what I want. Honestly, I switched uh, last year, it's a year and a half now, from a from Windows laptop to a Mac, and I'm never looking back. Although although hey, you are you are due for an upgrade, though. You told me how how dated your Mac is. I'd love to yeah. help out, but I know it's not going to be offering much cash back at this point. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and it's working. You know what? That's part of the problem. Yeah. Making a good product, 
you know, in order to get me to one upgrade, it has to not work. With Windows, I didn't have that problem. Even if I could bought the it same breaks, price. Breaks first year if you buy a Windows exactly. computer. I bought a $1,000 laptop, and then a, years, a year later, the thing is dead. It's taking forever to load. So anyway, the point is... To that, that, to that point, um, Apple said that they are really trying to make sure devices last for as long as possible. That's something Tim Cook made a big point on his Apple keynote yesterday during the iPhone announcement. And I think that generally people don't feel that way. They feel that, you know, they make products to, you know, not work or break after the warranty ends or the iOS is updated. But truly, that's not the case. I mean, things happen, you know, batteries go bad and the phones wear out and get too much storage and they get slow. But they are making products that last an incredibly long time. I mean, yeah, compared to other, you know, uh, other products in the industry, that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, you know, with my phone, I still go back and forth. But uh, get, let, let's just get back between Android and, and iPhone. I hope you're not offended by that. We can barely be friends, but hopefully you're on iPhone <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now, I have my iPhone. Woo, uh, we're good. We're yeah, good. Right, right, now, right now, I'm in the iPhone stage. And especially with the Mac, it really works well together. So um, absolutely, it's all about the ecosystem. Yeah, it's true. You uh, have a watch so, yet? I okay, that's a different conversation. I I had it. I had the first one. And now oh. I sold it on eBay. It's from the few things there I sold on eBay. And I but and I bought a Pebble, which is almost no longer existent. Are you familiar it, with the Pebble? Yeah, yeah, I bought one. It was pre Apple Watch, but no longer supported. <laughs> right. So it's no longer supported. So, but the reason why I didn't like the Apple Watch came, okay, we're going off, but this is not a bad conversation anyway. Uh, the reason why I, I got the first version, which was okay. Um, the problem was I really wanted a watch. I wanted yeah. a watch, which with notifications that I choose. Now, in general, I hate notifications. I don't like when you call me. I don't like when you text me unless I want to hear from you. So sure. I shut off most of my notifications. Um, I didn't care to do my mobile banking on my watch. That's not something I cared for. I didn't care to even use my watch as a phone because it's, it didn't really work very well in the car. I tried it. Yeah. Uh, it could be it improved since then. But, and, but to me, the biggest thing was it was barely a watch because it wasn't on. It didn't look like a watch. It didn't feel like a watch. So I bought the Pebble Round, uh, which looks and feels exactly like a watch. It works. You know, it does barely needs to be charged. You can do it every sure. two, three days. I mean, they claim seven days. I don't know if you, did you have that one? I did. I, I think I got about half a week out of it as well. Yeah. So it really, really works well. Yeah. So like if you forget to charge it one night, not That's a big fine. deal. It, it takes 20 minutes to charge, half hour max. You know, it's really charged. And we're, we're it, finally at a point where the battery life is not a major concern on a newer watch. You can use it a significant amount of time. But um, but the always on display is a huge thing for me. It's like, you got know, it. it's, it's on, you know, I don't have to worry about it. So again, I love you anyway. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> hey, you gave it a shot. Yeah, if anyone did have the original watch, the new Series 4 got announced. It is night and day, you know, faster, better, better. So speed. I'm waiting for that to happen. Uh, you know, I was, I guess, an early adopter to the Apple Watch. I was really excited about yeah. the concept. I, I was also excited that, you know, post Steve Jobs, there's a new product coming out. You know, just some renewed hope that, it, that it's not just improving what's already here. We're actually creating new products. I and mean, for me, that was very exciting. That has been a general concern that there's not much, not as much innovation at Apple. Exactly. And the real issue is a lot of it's happening behind the scenes. So we just don't know about it. I mean, the next things that are going to come out in the future, there's probably going to be, you know, these augmented reality glasses, possibly an augmented reality watch, you know, all these things that, you know, we don't know about you know, the Apple car. You know, it's going to be an exciting future, I think. 
All right, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. You know, I, honestly, the between the app, the iPhone Seven and the iPhone X, how much of a significant improvement is it really? I know I've played with the iPhone X. It's a lot about speed and camera, and so it doesn't. For the average person, it might not make a huge difference, but for someone like myself, I'm on my phone, you know, four or five hours a day, and I also love photography. I'm right. taking pictures of my kid, of my food, of stuff at my office, you know, doing sorts of videos on it. So I need to have that. I need the best camera in my opinion. I hear you. Now, yeah. if, but the difference between the iPhone 7, when the iPhone 7 came out, everyone said it was the best camera ever, right? Everyone is the best when it comes out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and you can go on YouTube and watch all the comparison videos of the camera. You really, really need to be an expert, assuming that both phones are in decent condition. Yeah. You don't have any dirt on the lens and the same lighting conditions. The difference is minute. Of course, there's a difference. But again, we're ready at the expert you know, uh, at the expert level. I remember my very first uh, cell phone that had a camera. It was a horrible negative yeah, one, one megapixel. Yeah, like, I don't is- know what it was, but just the fact that I'm holding my phone. I was see- it a Motorola Razor? It was, it was uh, I was actually in Israel at the time. It was a Nokia, which was okay. very big there. Um, so I had the Nokia blue brick phones, you know, the ones that you play Snake on. And yeah. um, so oh, this yeah. was, oof. Oh, I think it was a Sony Ericsson. Okay. And um, first of all, it was a color, color display. That was a big deal. And, yeah. And it, it was, colors. Woo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then I just remember, I remember my first picture. It was actually a garbage dumpster that was just there in the street. But it was just like, I took a picture of the dumpster and now I see something that kind of looks like the thing I see with my eyes and I could send it to someone if they have data and they have multimedia messages and they're, you know, they're in a, they want yeah, to, you got to pay to send photo messages back then. That's a hilarious exactly. concept. Exactly. We and don't then, even cross our mind about messaging. <laughs> right. So, I mean, to send, and to send this ugly picture, then they'll text back, what is that? I'm like, who cares? I took it with my phone. Like, <laughs> it's a real thing. Anyway, so it's come out is at that point, every new camera, like it's been evolving from there. They're like, no, this is an actual camera, but I think we're well past the point that your average smartphone camera is an awesome camera. Yeah. We're now that the improvements now are like, you have to be a real professional photographer or someone who's one, one of the uh, coolest features. I think they just announced about the new camera on the, on the 10 S is that there's dynamic depth control. So when you take a portrait mode shot you actually can dial up and dial down the depth perception on the photo in real time while you're editing. While you're taking the picture? Or right after, after, after afterwards, you can do it. Okay, that so is actually really, pretty cool. Yeah, it's like you're just changing the f stop, so it's pretty neat. The stuff that they're doing with the software and the hardware, it, 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 there's no question. I'm just saying, but we're well beyond. When I take a picture of that dumpster right. now, everyone's gonna know exactly what it is, and everyone's gonna see a rich picture. It doesn't matter if I use an Apple phone <laughs> or, or if I use a God forbid, uh, you know, part of me. Uh, a non-Apple phone, let's just say it that way. That there There's are other devices. cameras out there that are great. I'm not going to knock it. You know, <laughs> if you get a Pixel 2 or a Samsung Note 9, they take nice photos as well. They do. They yes. definitely do. A Pixel, <laughs> see, Pixel XL2 is my uh, is on my list for the next phone. But 
Well, I can't recommend it, but the photos do look good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Getting back to your story. So sure. you were trying out finance. It didn't work out. You kind of started to sell stuff online and it's working. You got your big break. Um, you you're selling your next cell phones. At what point did it really explode and like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm doing. I want to do this for the rest of my life forever. And I want to open up my own company. And I see from your website, you have quite a few people working for you. You have a storefront. You have, you have quite an impressive yeah. business going and it's interesting also to know before i even let you answer that you're an online business which a lot of people think uh if you have a, an online business one of the perks are that you don't need to have overhead but oh, uh, exact but, opposite so <laughs> so another well you don't need to have the same type of overhead because you're gonna people talk about it and i know people who do this actually that they have their uh you know their virtual assistants all over the place living in third world countries paying them three four dollars an hour and they train them and they're really good and maybe eventually they bring them on board but you have like a storefront storefront a real storefront and you have real people that you can we take do. a picture we, with we have 8000 square feet here and 22 awesome team members so yeah we're a much growing business and there is a decent amount of overhead so yeah we have to you know make some money on our service in order to pay our team members and keep growing so so so, I, so I, let's I go back to the first part of the question okay. uh, at what point was it growing to the point was this is my thing this is awesome i want to do this forever what was there i, I, I think when i was first selling the cell phones i knew i could do a sales on ebay type business forever but it wasn't until i started getting into apple products that i knew i found the products i want to deal with forever okay so, yeah you know, i kind of fell into a deal buying a, a few macs from someone online that i could i could turn around and resell and then from there i just started doing more and more um, sales on eBay. And, you know, I knew at that point that Apple was the product that was right for me and it made my customers happy. So it's kind of a win-win. So it's a great experience. It holds a great value. There is a resale opportunity. You know, I can still sell a five-year-old Mac. You can't sell a five-year-old PC. <laughs> oh, I see that. Oh, okay. That kind of all just clicked. In my so head it was like, yeah, it was the right product, something I loved and that came together. But, uh, but that, Right, that's fascinating because of all used electronics, if you in the business of used electronics, you're absolutely right. An old PC or even an old Android phone, even a top of the line old Android phone, does not sell not as well nearly as, as much as, as it's like selling a used Toyota versus selling a used Ford. Yeah. You know, the, the resale price is a different world. Or, even price uh, point aside, I worry about the customer experience and that our business is so great because of our customers. And, you know, it's an evolving cycle. We get all these amazing ratings. We keep growing kind of stuff like that. But if I was selling a product that didn't have a good experience, then I, I don't think pe people would return it. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, would, would, they wouldn't be happy. <laughs> even if the product, even if it's just a product that you're selling, it's not the service. But right, it's not my day. fault. But yeah, they hate, they hate their, you know, Samsung four and they return it, you know, so. And no one would hate their Mac, right? Not many, it's few and far between, I tell you what. <laughs> and the, the, just uh, the earbuds that you're using right now, those are not Samsung earbuds, right? No, these are the regular uh, Apple earbuds. I normally wear my AirPods, but just to make sure it sounds really nice and connected on this podcast, I thought I'd go into the ear. Okay, I just want to make sure that. Uh, I, would, I would never wear these on the phone. Actually, you know, my iPhone 10 doesn't even have a slot to plug them in. <laughs> <see> that. <laughs> that is really cool. Now, is there any particular incident uh, which shows or which you which was like a pivotal moment for you where it's like, wow, this is completely 
awesome and you know this uh, like you were able to look back and say wow i made it like you know you told me about your earlier stage where you were selling some you know you you got your hands on a few max you were able to resell them and turn them around and started turn you know started turning profitable and you saw that you might be able to make a real uh business yeah. out of it but was there a particular moment where something happened in your business at sellyourmac.com where you said wow this is real was it your first hire was it I don't know your storefront was there a particular big deal was it a certain thank you note that you got was there such an event and it and if there wasn't was there a certain failure which happened which you were able to grow from tremendously i'll take either or. I, I would say it's probably a series of events you know you mentioned hiring a first employee you know ha having people to help help me out to be able to you know truly achieve my goals that that was a big turning point but that wasn't with the one that made the jump for me uh, one of the one of the ones that stands out is I did a very large deal with a uh, supplier and now a close friend, and that was you know the largest deal we had done to date. I had to borrow money in order to make the purchase because it was so large, and that kind of that kind of uh, stemmed a whole other uh, growth spurt for us from there. So when we had these Macs arriving, we were currently working out of my basement. And we had about 12 pallets that came in. And apparently wow. my neighbors weren't too happy. And at the time I had about five team members at my, at my house working. And the rule in the town I, I was living at the time was only one employee at your house, which I you know, didn't really think much about. We weren't causing any disturbances or any issues. And uh, someone, one of my neighbors, I think the man lived across the street from me, had called the city and told them that I had multiple team members at my house. And it was kind of, I think he got really upset about these large deliveries that start that happened a couple days in a row with these pallets. That was the kind of trigger for him. So right after that, I just got all this equipment in, I got a cease and desist from the city. Wow. And they said, you have two weeks to get out or, you know, tell your team, tell the team members to leave. So obviously I'm keeping my team, keeping the business going. So I had to go find another location. And it was that probably that first warehouse that I was like, oh my God, now it is a legitimate business. You know, we are out, we have our own space, we have a storefront, I can give customers my address, <laughs> that type of scenario. Versus, you know, before when we're at our house and I'm meeting customers at Starbucks and stuff like that, and I don't want people coming in knowing where I live. So it, that, that was a major turning point. We got our own space. That one was like about 2,500 square feet and I had about five team members at the time. So that was a very exciting time for Sawyer Mac. Wow. So some of the things came together there at the same time. You know, it, did. it was, uh, it was really crazy. <laughs> yeah, kind of sounds like that. You're borrowing from uncle Billy to try to pay for this massive deal. You have these yeah. pallets pulling, you know, pulling up and neighbor Steve is, you know, calling the city <laughs> on you. And you have, how'd you know, how'd you know his name was Steve? That is, that is really funny. His name was Steve. Oh really? <laughs> Out of the hat. That's it's, it's, it's that type of person. But it was not Uncle Billy. <laughs> not Uncle Billy. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. But the point is, you know, you have the stress of paying back. You have this pallets of Max coming in. I mean, this is not a small order. This is, it took, this is it like, took up a two car garage. I mean, it was wow. 100% full. It was crazy. Wow. No, so, so that's a tremendous amount of merchandise. Yeah. And obviously, you have also the stress of making sure you could actually move this all along which if everything works out, I'm sure you did very well for yourself there, but you also have in the back of your mind, what happens if 
the, the growth to me is always a good problem to have. I've never shied away from, from growth and the stress of growing. And at that point, it actually was kind of good that we got kicked out because, you know, we were running into issues of, you know, shoveling computers up and down to the basement. Obviously, it wasn't very ideal anymore and not having good storage space and stuff like that. So a lot wow. of these things, you know, it was, maybe it was meant to be, you know, the, time, right. the timing was right. We got, we got at a time where we hit another huge growth spurt. Wow. Wow. That is absolutely awesome. Now, looking back at your uh, career so far and the trajectory of your professional life so far, uh, you know, for, some, for someone who's listening, let's talk to our listeners directly for a moment. Sure. And they're in a job that maybe they're, they've achieved a level of success, but at the same time, they're not content in what they're doing. And they know that, this is, that there's so much more inside of them that wants to be expressed. And there's so much more inside of them that they know they could achieve, you know, much, much higher levels of success. And it's not all about the money. And there are people like that still. They just feel like it, it, there's a lack of um, there's a lack of balance or congruence, if that's a word, uh, with with who they are and what they're doing. So you've struggled with this to some extent because you've majored from one thing and you're right now you've majored in something completely different. Um, just kind of by allowing your Apple degree now. (laughs) Exactly. You have your Apple degree and some people actually like, okay, we'll leave that for another time. Um, but the point is that you've, you've, you've kind of allowed your, you've followed your natural personality and it to express itself where, you know, instead of fighting it, you know, in other words, someone else or many, many people, what they are doing is they're saying, I have a degree in this. I've invested so much in finance. And, uh, you know, the opportunities are not here. I'm going to go to this place, that place, the other place. I'm going to kind of force it until it works. And um, you started that. And but then you were kind of open to like, wait, this this looks good. This is right here. This is in front of me. And, you know, this could also work. Let me try this. Put that on hold. So if there's someone I hope I didn't answer the question already, but for someone who's struggling with this exact problem that they're ready, you know, either they're struggling to get that job or they have the job and they just don't feel good about it. it doesn't feel like it's a good fit. What would you advise them? Or do you have anything based on your experience that you would want to share with them? Or what would you want it, someone else to tell you when you were at that very point? I'd say first, do not quit your nine to five. That is not the idea to, you know, to risk your family and your own personal life by, you know, diving into entrepreneurship with no base. You know, my idea would be to start doing something you're very passionate about and have some expertise in while you have your nine to five job as your fallback plan. So, you know, before or after work, you know, you're investing four, five, eight hours, whatever you, whatever you can fit in a day into your new venture. And eventually, hopefully you can grow that to, to enable your same lifestyle that your nine to five is giving you. And then it's the perfect time to go all in and you know invest your 10 to 15 hours a day that you're you know crushing it at your new startup. So yeah, it all starts with something you're passionate about because you will not want to invest the time if the passion's not there. I see people all every day that you know are unhappy after work or don't want to put the time in to go to work. You need the passion to be able to get out of bed in the morning. So whatever that is, you know, if you're not an expert in it, then become an expert. You know, I'm a lifelong learner. I love, you know, reading, you know, mainly it's on Audible, listening to books right now. All right. We agree on something. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) Uh, Podcasts, getting very into podcasts, you know, TED Talks, 
there's so many ways to learn and find out new exciting areas uh, for the future. So tap into that passion and get going. And then when you have turned a corner and you know you can, you know, hire someone, get on, get get more help, and you're reaching a level of success that can you know, pay for your life, then quit your nine to five and go crush it. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. I mean, and what you just said, I believe in so much. I mean, you're not so familiar with my background. We don't have a chance to talk about it. Uh, the listeners of this podcast are a little bit more familiar, but just briefly, I didn't have the traditional uh, college background. My degree is in uh, Talmudic law, which has very little practical application in the world of business. Um, everything that I know in, in the world of business is really from what you just said. It's from YouTube, Google, TED Talk. You know, I call Google my rabbi because it's so easy to teach yourself these days. It's free. <laughs> it's free. There's, there's absolutely nothing. Literally. There's nothing that you can't get a deep level of understanding for free online. I, I think that I think there's almost no exceptions. Uh, there might come a point like sales, for example, we've got a new sales course. We'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> where eventually go. there's a limit what you can get, but sometimes you just want it. Honestly, I've paid for some of these things too, but there's so, so much you can get for free. I would never, I mean, I'm Jewish. You can understand this. I'm not paying for a course <laughs> free, right? Oh, uh, and man, there's so, but there's so much good, yeah. awesome, valuable content. There is. Yeah. I'm in a couple uh, online sales and marketing groups on Facebook and the amount of free content these people share is, is unbelievable. I mean, they're sharing, you know, to your point about the, you know, these sales decks and stuff, I and mean, they're sharing ones that they would sell elsewhere, but in the group they're free. So yeah, just so much content. You, right. you don't have time to even consume it. Yeah. Which is, which is, which is the other startup that I mentioned that we're working on, which get help with all that uh, of really, you know, because there's also a big overload. You know, on the one hand, if 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 you need to run, you know, Facebook ads to promote your sellyourmac.com, so you can hire somebody and pay them a monthly fee, or you can kind of learn how to do it yourself. And you you won't be as good as that person. You're gonna make mistakes and probably costly mistakes. But at the end of the day, you you know you will have that skill that first of all you might decide that that's all you want to do. But at the very least, you know you learn to yourself. You, you, you taught yourself something new and, you know, something that you can do uh, yourself and all that money is going into you instead of going to someone else. And eventually if you can't do it, you could always hire somebody else. So that, that is so, so true that, um, you know, that there is no shortage of information that you can consume. And like you said, follow, don't fight your passion. You know, sometimes I've, I did this, I'll give you one incident and this is going late. We can have to wrap up in a couple minutes, but, um, but I've, you know, my job now as a nursing home administrator, I have to interview people. And probably around a year ago, I interviewed someone for a nursing position. She was probably in her mid-40s. And I don't know who she is. And if she's listening, thank you. Um, but she's, she actually, she was led an unhappy career in finance, like 15 or 20 years. Um, because she went, that's, that's why when you said finance, I perked up. Yeah. Um, because that's what her degree was in. Uh, and she's, she, made, she made some sort of comment um, during the interview. It was like, I wish I would have gone straight into nursing school after high school. I could have been an experienced nurse. Now I would have been an RN, a registered nurse, you know, a higher level of a nurse. I would have been making more money. I could have been you know, managing nursing homes or hospital units. And you know, I could have grown so much further. And it would have been so much further in my career. Instead, you know, her, her marriage fell apart. And financially she wasn't doing too well and she finally just was able to get herself through nursing school but you know 20 years behind um so it's i could never too late 
yes, it's never too late. People assume they're, you know, 40 years old or 50 years old and they're stuck in their job. Well, if you're going to spend their 20 years of your life working, I mean, who cares if you switch? At least you'll have another happy 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> but my point to her was, A, congratulations. You've finally made the transition. Made the shift. You're, you're finally doing it. But then I asked her, I don't know if you're supposed to ask this on an interview, but I did, just like you were in your basement, right? <laughs> um, but I asked her, you know, I said, why in the world didn't you go straight to nursing school? If, if that's really what you wanted and you always wanted, she knew she wanted that, why didn't you do that? And her response pained me tremendously, it still does. And she explained how her father is a banker and her mother is and her uncle and everyone in her family is- A lot of family family. expectations. Exactly. Everyone, how could you not go? It wasn't a family business, but it was a family profession. This is what we do. This is how we earn your degree. And if you can't, then you're, what you, you must have some sort of blemish or something that you can't be successful the way we expect you to be. And it took all that pain and time and learning for her to get there. So you were able to certain families or cultures that place those expectations on, on the kids. So they're not allowed to go be an entrepreneur. I mean, you can be very unsuccessful when you start to be an entrepreneur and most people fail. So for that reason, you know, people do push into these, you know, the safety, higher higher professional careers that are, you know, prestigious sounding. Yeah. Which is kind of where I am right now. And every time I tell my family about all my different, my podcasts and online sales and apps and all the, all the stuff that I'm trying to get off the ground, they're all like just, buckle up you have a job it's paying your bills stop complaining and i (laughs) I refuse to settle um if i can make them kind of all work at the same time or kind of pivot in a way that works for me that's great but i'm not going to sit in something that's not a perfect fit forever um but like you say everyone else with the best of intentions um is concerned you know every time i say new idea you're not you're not quitting your job right (laughs) like (laughs) not yet not yet. Uh, if there's one book that you would recommend for our listeners that they, I know you said that you read on Audible, um, that you think can really help them either identify their passion or go after their passion or that's been really, really beneficial for you. Um, if there's just one book that you would really highly recommend, is there one book that you would really highly recommend uh, for our listeners today? I thought you might ask me that and I was thinking a lot about it given everyone in this podcast could uh, have different situations and stuff like that. The one book that jumped to mind is called Jump Start Your Brain by Doug Hall. This guy is a really interesting guy. He's uh, ex Procter and Gamble, the largest consumer product company, which is actually headquartered here in Cincinnati. And he decided every six months that he would leave if he wasn't learning something new. Wow, and I love that. He's the fastest ever patent creator at PNG. Uh, so he was pulling, he was putting out so many patents and learning a lot. And then finally, when he wasn't, he decided he wanted to leave and go help other small businesses. So he created this place called Eureka Ranch, which is here in town. And he'll bring in small businesses and coach them on how to improve and grow their companies. And he gives so many of these insights in this book, jumpstart your business, jumpstart your brain. Wow. So it's like you went through a $10,000 course just by reading this book. Wow. Do you know him personally? Because he's in town? I've never met him. I really want to. I, I know a couple of mutual people, so I'll hope I'll get invites soon. All right. Maybe we'll try when we post like, this. Uh, we'll tag him. and Unbelievably smart, mad scientist. Really cool. <laughs> awesome. All right. We're going to get him on the podcast eventually. Let's do it. Let's do it. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do, you know, maybe you'll be on there too. You'll, you'll introduce <laughs> me because you're going to be best buddies with him. But it that's, sounds that's like cool. an awesome book. 
I have not read it. I was scared to hear the four hour work week again or something like that. Which I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. It's a great book. I know you Those are all good books. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Tools but, of uh, Titans by Tim Ferriss is awesome, but I'm sure everyone mentions that. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's not Tools of Titans yet. Um, have you oh. gone through the? It's huge. Oh, it's great. I like it. I have not, I have actually not gone through that yet. Um, so many good ideas just about life. I mean, if you pick that one or two things that could help you out, I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, even in the four hour work week, there's so many, so many resources there. Like sometimes it's overwhelming. Yeah. Have you actually successfully used any of those resources? Cause you're kind of in this type of business of selling physical products and he has a lot of resources for that. Have you found any of that to be beneficial or you haven't used it? It's really tough to implement all these things you learn in the books. A lot of it's just kind of, you know, mind share and, you know, getting you mentally prepared to do these things. Um, I'd have to go back and really look and see if I've used these resources. Nothing jumps out on top mm -hmm, of mine mm -hmm. that I can share right now. Um, but I think mentally it has helped a lot. Okay, awesome. Um, thank you very, very much, Brian, for your time today and for all the pearls of wisdom that you've shared so generously and as we mentioned your i hope website. i spark someone's passion so they can go out and create a new business and then eventually get rid of their nine to five exactly. <laughs> or and again just to be clear no one has to get rid of their nine to five for some people sure. like i know i was you just love it some for some people i know people who are extremely skilled at a, a something very very niche down and very particular that there's a high demand for or even if something standard some people love being a receptionist and that really is their passion and they love the interaction with people walking in the front door and they love uh, organizing calendar appointments totally. and all, all the stuff that I personally despise. But for some people, like I've learned to accept that it's okay to be happy with that if that's their choice and if that's a natural expression of who they are. So love your nine to five. Like some guests have to explain it's not necessarily nine to five, but it's just what you do to spend your time, regardless if you're salaried or regardless if you decide to start your own business or a combination of the two, or whatever it is. But the main thing is don't sell yourself short. Now, if people want to see or uh, you know about your business, so of course they can go to your website, sellyourmac.com. Um, is there any yeah, go, to, else? go to my website. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Brian Burke. I went to Tulane University and currently it's a picture of me wearing a bow tie. So I'm okay. Awesome. I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen that picture. I know that there's another Brian Burke, which comes up when you search. That, <laughs> that's why you put in, put in. He's Google an imposter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Except that he's double your age, but <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure as soon as this launches, you type in Brian Burke podcast, love your nine to five. I should probably pop up right there. Absolutely. You'll find, find me in the show notes. <laughs> exactly. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And Really, uh, I look forward to putting this episode together and sending it out. No, I'm glad I could share. Thanks for having a listen.